Hey you guys, hope you're well. I just wanted to take this opportunity and let you know about our amazing new business scalability scorecard. So have you ever wondered if, you've, if you're an entrepreneur, you're a business owner, and you want to grow and scale the business but not sure how, and you're looking for some advice and you're looking for some strategies about how you could effectively grow and scale your business, well, this is your opportunity. We have actually created an amazing uh, business scalability scorecard. It takes you around seven to eight minutes, and at the end of that, it will actually create a report of all of the things that you're doing particularly well in and the things that you need to make improvements to your business. And uh, it's a great tool and a great asset for your business. To get free access to that, go to bit.ly forward slash business hyphen scalability hyphen scorecard. Go there, go now. Take care, see you soon. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. I am going to introduce our next guest. And what's really fascinating about this is that I met this chap on Clubhouse, you know, one of my favorite places of uh, hanging out with some cool individuals. And what I love about this particular individual is his energy. But I'm also fascinated about his, I'm going to call it his obsession more than anything else, which is all around human psychology, right? alignment, but also uh, entwining that into a bit of marketing and health and wellness, which is really, really interesting. Uh, He's from Vancouver, Canada, and he calls himself an entrepreneurial architect, which I absolutely love. He's obsessed with creating new ideas, developing team building. Without further ado, put your hands together for Mr. Julian Deschutes. What is going on, man? That is, uh, that is a beautiful introduction. I'm so grateful for it. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Appreciate you being here. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. I uh, feel honored, honored, honored to get the ask to show up. So I'm happy. Happy Wednesday, as they would say on the, on the Game Changer show. Yeah, I'm a little bit, uh, little bit farther behind you, so I still have a whole day ahead of me. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So listen, um, what I was going to say to you, you know, I, I, I'm kind of um, interesting to know, actually, because I know that, um, you know, you're in Vancouver. You're an interesting person. You're an interesting character because you have these obsessions around human psychology and health and wellness and staying fit. I mean, if you look at your Instagram, it's kind of it's kind of it's, it's actually really fascinating. Um, but tell us some more about like. What do you do right now? Um, you know, and, and I'm all about creating impact, Julian, right? And, and it's the same for you. Love to know like more about your background story and, and what you're doing right now. Yeah, so it's it's such a interest life is such an interesting experience. And I've always battled between, you know, this brain that is that is since I can remember has been this overthinker. And then this kind of inside that is a builder. Um, and I think naturally without me realizing it, that 
had always was always going to lead me to some form of entrepreneurship. You know, whether that was in a company, out of a company, I didn't really know. But when I go back, it was like tree forts and Lego and building things. And, you know, in high school, it was organizing trips for my friends and just always that natural inclination to create experiences and spaces that I wanted to see. Um, and then I was going to university and, and, you know, doing kind of the whole role in business and finance where, you know, they're they're slowly trying to put you into these positions. Sense, what about this? Um, and so ultimately all roads, when I kind of look back, have been pointing toward entrepreneurship. Um, but it's it's never been entrepreneurship in the space of I would say like business and corporate business. It's always entrepreneurship from taking resources and things and reorganizing them to create things that ultimately make my life better, people around these lives better. Um, and just always coming back to the question of like, what's the landscape right, right, like right now? And how do we make that, you know, better or more enjoyable or more fulfilling or healthier or thriving or whatever that kind of outcome is? Um, and as I've kind of grown older and become more aware of my very finite role as a human being, you know, realizing that I'm just one chain in an extremely long link of chains and that my job isn't to conquer all of this, but to rather play a very humbling role in getting the baton passed to me. And then at some point passing it off to some other person and more of being a conduit for that rather than, you know, the archetype of an entrepreneur that I grew up with was which was much more of what I would say like a conqueror where it's like the person at the top and you're you know controlling and stuff like that so it's been a fascinating entrepreneurial journey you know from a kid building massive lego castles and tree forts to building companies um, but also one that is very steeped in in self in in the, in the road of self-awareness and the road of, of consciousness um, so it's been really yeah, just fascinating and fun. Love it, love it, love it. Did you, um, I was going to say to you actually, Julian, did you, like when you had this realization, okay, um, where you where you thought to yourself, um, okay, so I, I feel like I'm, I, I need to become an entrepreneur. Log to kind of, I suppose, accept that actually you're going to take a different path and then, what were the uh, what what were people around you like your family your spouse saying and whatever it is you know because the traditional routes to market right is that we go to school go to college go to university get a good job right and live the live the life of Riley whatever that fucking looks like um, <laughs> but you know I, I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that yeah so it, that was actually a really kind of powerful story and and the one kind of caveat that I'll always say is that I'm not one of those people that I think everyone should be entrepreneurs um, there's kind of those people that fly the flag that you know kind of go everyone should have freedom like my my personal stance is that everyone should take a long time thinking about who they are and what they seek in their life and then finding the place that gives them that and find peace in that, right? So naturally, I'm a type of person. I don't like operations. I don't like repetition. I don't like feeling like I have to go to the same place every time. And I'm extremely okay with lots of risk and having no income. 
right? So by definition, the traits that I feel safe in push me towards being an entrepreneur. But I have friends that, you know, they like security and they like to know that if they do X, Y, and Z, the outcome will be something. Um, and so I always just like to make that dis distinction because I think there's this glorification of entrepreneurship that we have right now. Um, and rightfully so, because a lot of, you know, JOBs have been oppressive by nature. But right. in reality, like I think of some of my employees and I love them to death and I just want to support the hell out of them in those positions. And I think about like giving them the security they need to have their families and stuff like that. And I go, that's a beautiful dynamic. Um, yeah. But for me, I think really there was a couple things that happened. You know, the first one would have been when I was about 17 was uh, I experienced through some family friends what it was like to have, you know, what I'll call God money, which is more money than you can spend, you know? And it was not in an egregious, like, over the top way. It was just this level of scarcity that didn't exist. And for the first time in my life, it was kind of like, hey, where do you like, you know, where do you want to go for lunch? And it's like anywhere we want, you know, or hey, I want to bring my mom here. And it's like, well, book a ticket, bring her over. And, and it made me realize that like, I, I grew up from like a pretty humble middle class family. And you realize that like, there is a world out there that exists where all the things that were so routine to me didn't exist. And that what that really did was it just moved me from like the mindset that I had only known because of where I was growing up to, hey, here's this huge world and I don't even know what the extent of it is. Um, and so that kind of primed me to realize that like, you know, if I go after that, um, there's opportunity there, but then also, you know, that that alone doesn't solve the happiness fulfillment equation. Um, right. and the second part of that was when I was in university, I was, you know, going through school and I took a course on how to become a bartender. Um, and it was a two week course and the course you know, it was all right. It wasn't run that well. And on like the second last day, uh, the lady that was teaching it was talking about how the owners were trying to sell it. Um, and here I was this, you know, astute 19 year old kid going to business school. Um, and I just said, hell, maybe, you know, yeah, I should buy it. Um, and that idea kind of for the next few days just got stickier and stickier in my mind. And so Lo and behold, I called them up. I asked them how much it was. Um, it was, you know, mid five figure mark. And I went to my parents and I said, hey, mom, can I borrow that much money? And my the first thing my parents said is, what are you going to do with it? And I explained them what it was. And they ended up mortgaging their house, giving their 19 year old son that amount of money, you know, building, essentially financing it. Um and enabling me to buy it. And I didn't realize at the time, A, how dumb that might have been on their part. Um, but also how empowering that was from a parent-child relationship to go to, you know, your maternal and paternal figure and them to turn around and go, yeah, chase your dreams, you know? Um, and that I think about it now in hindsight, and I'm like, what would that have what would them saying no have done to my permission structure? Um, and realizing that like, you know, I go back to being like seven years old and there's moments like that and realizing that I've grown up in this world where my parents have in a healthy way checked in, but in a much more healthy way enabled me to make my own mistakes. Um, and so I ended up buying that company, having it for a year, um, 
over three xing revenue, cleaning up some of the operations. And it wasn't, it was, there was no strategy. It was just stupid, simple things like go hang posters on bus stops and all this type of stuff. <laughs> um, and I ended up what selling was the, it. And, what, what was that? The company? What was the company? Uh, it, was, it was called Fine Art Bartending School. Um, oh, okay. And so it was just a little bartending school that taught people how to bartend and, and turn kind of, you know, skills into a side job that paid pretty well. Um, and so here I, you know, was running a bartending school without ever having bartended, without really knowing how to bartend. Um, and I ended up selling it 11 months later, um, doing over 200% uh, percent on the revenue or on, on my initial investment. Um, and at that time I was 20 years old sitting with, you know, a modest chunk of cash, but a lot of cash for a 20 year old. Meanwhile, right. I was going through school and all of my teachers were just talking about how, you know, lucky I would be to have this job that pays 60 or $70,000 a year. And, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and that was the moment that it, you know, it, it pierced the veil for me. And I realized that while like, yes, that's one reality, there are other realities around there. And not that their reality wasn't true, but it wasn't the most true. Uh, and I real and, and started to look for like all of the other opportunities and started to really understand that, you know, society has all of these rules, but in actuality, they're pretty loose. You know, like there's some rules, obviously, you can't break, you know, death taxes, some crimes. Um, but for the <laughs> most part, all of all of the, you know, social constructs that we've created are just, you know, speed bumps. And that if you kind of look at them differently, you can play around and reorganize. Um, and really, with the internet, it completely changes that whole thing. And so that just got me really obsessed with not really listening to what people say, but really watching what people do. Um, yeah. And you start to realize that there is opportunity everywhere and there's problems everywhere. And that, you know, somebody with an uh, inquisitive and curious mind, this is just a heyday. It's an overwhelming heyday because there's so many opportunities to, to create and put together and to meet people and, and put it together. So yeah, I really, really credit that kind of that one and a half year window when I was 19 that really took me from, you know, wanting to be a builder. I was actually originally in school for engineering because, you know, right. bridges and planes and to an <laughs> entrepreneur. And, you know, in hindsight, financially, that was a much, much better decision. But also, I think from a building standpoint, it's been much more fulfilling to be able to just create out of this space of, of what really feels like greenfield opportunity. You know, I was going to ask you, because you, you, you mentioned about the fact that, you know, you was in school and stuff. Did you ever get, did you ever feel like, you know, you'd get kind of, do you ever feel like you're the black sheep of the class? Like, I suppose everyone that goes to college or school, right, they go because they want to go and get a good J-O-B, right? But then there's you kind of, you're the builder. You know, you're, you're 19, you, you're doing business and then you exit at 20, right? So you've got more money in your bank account than most of these guys would have if they had earned like sort of fifth, I guess, 20, 30 years of salary. Did you ever feel like you were this kind of black sheep in the classroom? And I don't know, did it kind of make you feel uncomfortable in any way? 
Yeah, I think that's one thing, you know, that I'm, I'm really grateful for. And so much of, you know, going through this has been, you know, understood in hindsight, not really at the time. I think a lot of the time I was going through school. So like I had an opportunity at 20 to drop out um, and I chose not to. And still to this day, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful I did. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, I always knew that I was probably never going to use my or like my degree. Um, I was lucky. I was I got pretty good grades in school, like pretty pretty high uh, GPA in that sense. Um, so I didn't I didn't feel like I was out of like the norm societally. Like I still got along. I still fit in. I still got a lot of good grades. But I definitely felt like I was a you know playing a part. Um, right. But. Right. also that the the structure that was built for me didn't work right like I think in my last year I ended up you know skipping 50 plus percent of my classes um, and right. still maintaining you know really good grades um, and and what it was for me is like you know we had this thing called YouTube and we had you know access to mentors and teachers online and if you could teach me a course in a week, and I fundamentally understood it, then yep. why should I have to go to class? Right. And, and that was one of those rules where it's like we force people to go to class when really the only thing that should matter academically is an understanding of the material and arguably the relationships you make in class. But if you can understand the material and make those relationships out of class, you know, what role does does class play in that? Um, and I'm not advocating everybody skips classes, but I'm advocating that we question <laughs> why we do the things we do and figure out ways that are very much outcome oriented um, to get you there faster. You know, like you can you can retire with a million dollars in your bank account if you invest in your, you know, 401k and you, you know, make your hourly salary and you do that and you follow the mathematical rules, you'll get there. But you can also retire with a million dollars in your bank account if you build something of value, work on it really hard for a year and then sell it right away. And you both have the same outcome, but one has a much better experience of life potentially. Um, and so that's actually what really got me into human psychology was just this inner gut feeling of like, it feels like everybody's playing this dumb game. Like everybody's posturing and, and saying these rules and doing these things. And I'm like, but it's that's dumb ego, because huh? it's smart. That's oh, ego. Yeah, well, that led me to psychology, which then led me to consciousness, which then, led, you know, you go down the rabbit hole. Um, but I was really fascinated with why we set up these structures when there's better ways to do that. and and. Keep in mind, I went through a very transformative period of my life from like 16 to 23 in a very transformative period of analog to digital, right? So 2010, my teachers are talking about, or 2008, my teachers are talking about, you know, getting an opportunity to meet with this person is the privilege of a lifetime. And here I go on LinkedIn and I'm messaging the CEO of every single Fortune 500 company I can, which at the time, some of them would talk to you. And it was just, it was one of those moments um, for me that really 
tapped into a little bit of a rebellious side, but not rebellion from anarchy, more rebellion from let's just do the best good and create the most good for people. Interesting, really, really interesting. And I know that you mentioned actually uh, about happiness, right? Really, yeah. And, and I and 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 I know that you kind of decided to choose a route which was very unconventional to conventional schooling, right? And and the belief system that we're that, that we're programmed to to think about what we do because our parents used to do it and all that shit. But question. For our, especially for listeners that are listening in, right? How do you, from your perspective, right? So you've got people, and you've probably got friends, I've got friends, right, that are in jobs that they fucking hate, but they do it because they have they feel like they need to keep up with the Joneses, right? And they yeah. and, and they sacrifice happiness and purposeful lives over this kind of belief system. That they're not going to keep up with the Joneses. What what advice do you have for people like that? Yeah, that's that's always such a crazy experience to like watch unfold. And you know, humans respond to incentives, and we respond to incentives we don't even know we we have, right? Like, you know, your your mother or father might have bought you a cake because you got an A plus in grade two on a test that was about coloring with crayons. And that <laughs> moment of feeling good and that relationship that you've built with your mother has now basically built a nervous system inside of you that wants to color inside the lines over and over and over again for the rest of your life. And you don't right. know why you want to color in the lines. You don't even realize you are coloring in the lines but you have a, a biochemical reward for doing that because you know your mother did something when you were in grade two. Um, and so I always kind of start you know, with an understanding of why humans are doing what they're doing and, and separating you know, the animalistic human from the soul human, right? So the, the biochemical dependency that wants security, food, and safety versus your soul, which wants to create and express and expand, right? And, and you can call those whatever you want, but they're generally two distinct pieces inside of somebody. And so whenever I'm like dealing with or working with somebody like that, the first thing is to like map out what they're doing and why they're doing it, right? Because most humans go, I want happiness and I want fulfillment. Um, but what they don't realize is that the, the system they're currently constructed and architected is robbing them of both. But there's some sort of narrative in their head that's telling them, but if I can just get there, I'll be happy or I'll be fulfilled yeah. or right. And so once you lay out how those things are actually going and I'll actually like mind map it out for myself and for, for somebody um, just to get them to see the pattern because it's really hard to make a change until you see the pattern. Um, and I think there's like a, there's a big space of intuition for an individual there of like, not necessarily getting to the answer, but like sitting with yourself. And if you're doing shit you don't wanna do every day, you owe it to yourself, to the people you're around, to your kids, to your partner, to, you know, in a more esoteric way, the world, to 
not necessarily blow up your life and make a change, but to spend an hour once a week starting to map out how you get out of that place. And if you can start to map that out, you know, all of a sudden you have a little thing where you're like, okay, I'm going into work and my throat's tightening. That's a pretty good indicator you're doing something you don't want to do. And if your throat's tightening all day, every day, cool. You owe it to your own self to get out of there. And a lot of the times I think we just like throw the ball, you know, and we're just like, blow up your life, become an entrepreneur. When that's a huge drastic change, when in, when in reality for most people that, you know, crave that security in the first place, it's like, maybe just find a job that's more in alignment or maybe, you know, shadow somebody who is building a side hustle that's profitable and learn how they're doing it. Or, you know, start with those incremental things to first realize that there is another way of experiencing life and it doesn't have to be like that. And that the more you expose yourself to those different things, you know, the more you realize you can, you know, create almost whatever reality you want, you know, and, and let's not forget there's a seven-year-old kid on YouTube making $25 million a year talking about toys, you know, like, and, and it's just, it's that reality where it's like, the world is so forgiving now in taking passions and turning them into revenue in a way that's never been possible before. And maybe it might not replace your entire job in the beginning, but it'll, you know, give you a little bit of space to breathe. Um, and so I'm really passionate about, you know, helping people find that alignment, whatever that alignment is, I will never say that it should be what I want, but then also being very compassionate to why people ended up there in the first place. Um, right. Because I think it's so easy to be on the outside of that and volley in of like, everyone should have freedom and everyone should be an entrepreneur, but that doesn't really understand the complexities of, of the human experience and how, you know, we're wired to fit it. You know, first and foremost, we want to fit in because fitting in equals survival. And so if the whole world is telling you to get a job, you're actually biologically dumb not to, right? Like, <laughs> like you're, you're isolating yourself. And it's only been in the last eight, nine years when entrepreneurship has become cool that it's societally acceptable to be an entrepreneur. But, you know, go back to the 2000s and it's like, you're an outcast. Um, so I always exactly. just like bring those bring those components in. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I absolutely 100% agree with what you're saying. And, uh, you know, and, and I know that we also have, um, we, we, I know that you're also a good, uh, you're a big fan of uh, a good friend of mine, Dr. John Martini, which you're kind of fascinated by his work. And I know that, what is your, um, what, what is your epiphanies and experiences with John? Yeah, I think, I don't even know where to begin with uh, Dr. Martini. He like, and and you know, for anyone that's not familiar with him, I highly recommend. You know, you just you get into some of his books. Get in, and and not just him. You know, go into all of the great thinkers that have shaped society. You know, learn about Carl Jung and what he was talking about with archetypes, and and go read Viktor Frankl and understand what he's talking about with with purpose and. Um, because the human brain is is designed in in one reality, you know, and we often forget that like all of our perceptions have been shaped by the reality in which we have evolved in, right? So the only reason we can hear 
is because we evolved in a place with sound. You know, if we had evolved in, and this is a bit weird, but if we evolved in space, we wouldn't need ears, but we might have some other receptor that picks up input from the outside. And that our input is a very narrow band of the reality of existence. Um, and so, you know, guys like uh, Dr. Martini are just so good because you, re you think life is this. Yep. And you read what they're saying, and as you digest it, you realize that life is this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and, and it just gets so much bigger. Um, and at, at one point, I just kind of hit this emotional, I don't want to call it a breaking point, but it was more or less a breaking point, where you just realize that like I'm this very finite being flying on a rock in a very small sliver of time as one human in a chain of what so far has been 110 billion humans. And I'm worried about all of these tiny little trivial things. And, and what a lot of his work had helped me do is realize like the, the dynamic of myself and the ego and, and really helped me position to myself to a place of coming back to joy over and over and over again, even in the roller coaster that is the human experience. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, by the way, guys, if you don't know who Dr. John D. Martini is, you can go check him out on, on our podcast, The Game Changers Experience. He is the number one, the number one world's uh, leading expert on human behavior. Honestly, the guy's got so much knowledge. He's actually uh, read 200 and 99 of the ologies, by the way, the ologies, that's like psychology, physiology, all of those kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, um, it's such a fascinating um, conversation. And he's so intellectual um, and uh, such a great giving person. I love what. In fact, I think what we're planning on doing, by the way, Julian, is we're, um, we're our main conversations with his team to be able to uh, do a club room with him. Uh, so I'll, I'll keep you informed of uh, the progress on that. But, uh, yeah, he's a pretty busy guy, though. Oh, man, that's – yeah, he's he's one of those guys that will just, in, in the most beautiful way, break your understanding of what you think reality is, um, yeah. which, which gives you so much more flexibility and freedom to just be a human, right? And, and I deeply believe that so many of us are just, you know, trying to – experience humanity and be a humanity playing a very human societal game that we've created that is less and less feeling human if that makes sense yeah you know one of the you know i am a i'm a big fan of um every every free few years judy and i go through um uh, a massive shift right so um uh, let me explain right so before I go through this massive uh, shift, I go through into this uh, um, time of, and I should do it more often, really, uh, but then I have too many shifts, is reflection, right? Self-reflection. I think it's so important to have reflection. What do you do? Uh, how important is reflection in your life and how do you practice it? Yeah, um, it's it's been a really beautiful process because I've had a couple of like really pivotal moments. And, and the first thing when I was about 18, I used to have this little journal that I would keep. And on the one side would just say, 
head decision and the other side would say heart decision. And right. the and then it'd have like a little note section about which decision I took and how it turned out. Um, yeah. And almost overwhelmingly, I was more aligned and felt better when I, when, it, when I took the advice of intuition. And that, that doesn't mean financially better off. That doesn't mean, you know, better off circumstantially in life. It just meant I felt better. Um, yeah. And I felt more at home in my skin. Um, and so going through that process was, was a moment that like really allowed me to like lean into intuition, um, which inevitably over kind of a time period pushed me to start to create, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, just as a check-in, you know, and, and to sit there and just be like, what's going on in my life? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? And, you know, I, I go through a little bit more formal experiences every, every kind of three to four months, generally once a quarter where, you know, I, I, I do the things that the checklist of like, you know, checking money, does money make sense? Does time make sense? Does goals make sense? Um, but much more powerful than that is just like a 15 minute, very still check-in every day where I just, you know, take stock of what I'm doing. And sometimes to be honest, it's five minutes. Sometimes it's three minutes. Um, but going back to this thing of like trying not to bullshit myself out of a life that I want. Right. And if I want to be free and travel, then, you know, getting to that place where at the very least I'm honest with myself about it of like, this is what I want, but this is what I'm doing. Am I okay with that? If yes, keep going. If no, start progressing towards change. Um, and so, you know, without telling people just to like meditate, I think that process of, of checking in quietly every day matters. And then I'm also a big fan of, of stillness through meditation. Um, just to create more and more space to allow those little voices to to come up and 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 to be present and i find in a world that is so loud and so overstimulating that is a practice that ultimately does need to be cultivated you know we have brains that are running a hundred miles an hour all day every day texts incoming emails thinking and then you know you sit down to go meditate and it'd be like grabbing you see and bolt and stopping him at the 50 meter line and saying stop you know like every every instinct in his body is like why would i stop keep running right and then so we meditate for 10 minutes and we're like my brain will stop meditation doesn't work and it's like of course it doesn't you've been training it to go at 100 miles an hour 99% of your time you have to basically rewire it to learn to slow down um yeah and so a lot of the times i think we default to like you know meditation as a really cool tool through for self-awareness when in reality it doesn't work in context so i just tell people you know and I, myself included to just sit down and you know listen to music and just let things come up and and find that place where you, you listen to your insides of like what what feels right what feels intuitive um and ultimately somehow to find the courage to honor that on some level Right. Because I think a lot of us know what's what's right for us, but the courage is a whole other component, you know? Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, so interestingly enough, I um, was going to say, because I know that you are working on some some great stuff right now and you've had 
some, I mean, you, you, you know, you're the co-founder of various kind of, um, you know, startup companies and you're in the tech space and that kind of stuff. What do you do? What are you working on right now? I'd love to know what you're working on right now. Yeah. So the two big projects that I have right now, um, are a platform called movement app. And that is a fitness platform that was born out of COVID. Um, just gyms transitioning online. Um, but what it is really kind of merged into is understanding how do you get people healthy, right? right. And, and we live in a world of short-term gimmicks and, and diets and all this stuff when in reality, biology is so much more complex than that. And so on the surface, it is like online fitness classes and a bunch of psychology around that to get people to show up every day. Um, but really the long-term mission behind it is to crack the psychological code on how do you incentivize people to maintain their body in a way that keeps them healthy and happy. Um, okay. and I think we have forgotten how much, I don't, I don't think we've ever been taught how much our body does unknowingly. You know, there's, right. there's millions of biochemical processes that happen around the clock, 24 hours a day without any, without, with very few input from us. Um, and you only realize that they're not happening when they stop, in which case that's when illness and disease starts to creep up. Um, right. And so I'm just really passionate about helping people either maintain the health they already have, which is priority one, because that's the easiest, but then also helping people get back to a place. Um, and if you look around at biology in healthy environments, jungles, et cetera, you know, where it has the right amount of inputs, biology is designed to thrive. If biology is not thriving, it means that some sort of input, some sort of environment is out of balance. Um, right. And so you just kind of look at, you know, what we've, created in our modern society and then you look at you know increasing rates of obesity and increasing rates of mental health issues and you know they're they're extremely complex situations but the fundamental truth that i kind of pull out of there is something is not balanced in the human ecosystem um, right and so movement exists to help in a small way act as a platform to allow people to at the very least do some big things that take a majority of uh the space up in the sense of you know, you go for a good workout and a whole bunch of biological systems fire um, that are really healthy. Um, and so how do you get way, people to show way, up and do that every day? I was going to say I love that because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really into movement, by the way, Julian. This is probably something that you haven't known about me, but I actually used to teach movement to personal trainers, osteopath, chiropractors. I actually wrote a whole oh, crazy. massive module. It's crazy, right? Um, we, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about that offline 100%. So I'm, I'm definitely into, into that, and that kind of stuff, but that that's fascinating. What was the other thing you're working on? Uh, so the other one is actually something called entrepreneurial archetypes. And what that is, is it's kind of like a Myers-Briggs for entrepreneurs, right? right? So we have this big gold rush coming into the entrepreneurial creator class, right? It's, it's, a new form of not only identification of who we are, but like building a career, right? Like you can now make a very sustainable living being a freelancer or being a content creator or being, you know, a coach or a teacher or some form of entrepreneurship. 
Um, yeah. But from the outside, we kind of lump all that together and we're like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. When in reality, an entre- there's many different types of entrepreneurs, right? So you have like Oprah on one side who is very much a content creator and a teacher and a coach. And you have Elon Musk on the other who is very much a systems thinker that brings together resources. If Elon Musk put himself in Oprah's shoes, he'd probably fail. And if Oprah put herself in Elon Musk's shoes, she'd probably fail, right? And so the entrepreneurial archetype is actually a psych-based quiz that allows you to go through it, answers a bunch of questions, and then based on how you respond to these questions that we built, start to uncover what type of entrepreneur you are, what type of company that you want, what type of people you need to surround yourself to support you with, where your roadblocks are going to be, and then has a bunch of assets that allow you to, you know, further strengthen what you're good at and support what inevitably you're not good at, right? And and that was born out of this place of seeing people who were, you know, very creative, artistic creators trying to put together systems to scale to, you know, scale a company to have lots of employees. And I'm like, you're not like an employee building company entrepreneur. So find somebody that is, and they're like, well, how did you know that? You know, and and you're like, well, if you just look at what you want to spend all your time doing, it's creating stuff inside here and putting it out to the world, right? And so our hope with that is to help people go from the space of wanting to be an entrepreneur to facilitating a deeper self-understanding of who they are and then building the right structure around them the first time. Um, so that they don't end up, you know, beat down, burnt out, um, exhausted, failing in entrepreneurship, um, and that they have the best chance of success. Um, and that partially comes out of, I think, a, a place in my heart where entrepreneurship is bloody hard. It's mentally exhausting. And if you're, you know, a fish trying to climb a tree in entrepreneurship, it makes it so much harder than if you're a monkey trying to climb a tree. So we just we want people to be in that space as, as quick as possible um, to give them the best chance at success. Um, partially because I believe, you know, if everyone starts to build an entrepreneurial mindset in some capacity, I mean, if it's like a little side hustle, um, we'll start to create some really beautiful things that further support supporting other humans. Yeah, very good. Love it, love it, love it. Interesting, actually, because uh, I suppose that could also facilitate. I'm a, I'm, I'm a real big fan of uh self-awareness right because if you're not self-aware of like your strengths and your weaknesses and what do you need to do to to become successful and you know it's interesting because you picked up a really good point earlier on not everyone is an entrepreneur right you could be an mm-hmm. intrapreneur you could just be like it, it doesn't really matter we still need to have the toilet scrubbers of today we still need to have uh the people in the in the in the cinema booths serving popcorn you know what i'm saying like not everyone is an entrepreneur and i think it's a really good talk i think that that could really help aid many different things so uh that's great man i really appreciate that it's really cool yeah it's been really cool to see we've had we've had uh we launched basically last month and we've had i think seven or eight or nine thousand people take the quiz already um and so it's it's just really powerful to see the level of self-awareness that immediately comes out of it and, and follow up with these people. And just, you know, some of the com- comments come back that are like, it's the first time somebody's explained to me why I s- resist 
building structure so much, or it's the first time somebody's explained to me, you know, why I struggle to put my message out there, right? And and just giving people that tool on a on a level that is, you know, not necessarily behind really large price tags or opaque or like for us, it's about giving those tools as transparently as possible and putting them out the world so that as many people can use it as possible. All the good stuff will come when you find alignment on the back end. Um, and so right. it's just been, it's been a really powerful kind of first month, month and a half here and just excited to keep getting it out to people, scaling it. Um, and then ultimately our big thing is, is building the entrepreneurial community behind it so that like-minded entrepreneurs can, entrepreneurs can find each other and entrepreneurs can find unlike-minded entrepreneurs that can support each other. Love it. It's like a kind of a collaborative community, if you like. And, uh, yeah. you know, in fact, we, it's interesting. We were talking about collaborations earlier on in our, in our private um, Next Level Club, which is our private members only club, about the importance of building collaborative um, uh, synergies more than anything else to kind of make something which is kind of more impactful than it's just you. Do you know what I mean? Um, so it's interesting. We're kind of singing off the same hymn note. I like, like that. <laughs> That's kind of cool, man. Well, I take, I take a lot of my inspiration from nature, right? Where if, if you look at a forest, a forest is inherently collaborative. It has to be. Right. An uncollaborative right. forest dies, right? And, and so when you look at the human experience, it has to be collaborative as it was born out of the same systems, right? And, and, and that's what I'm really fascinated in, especially at this time of like, the internet and even some of the stuff that's happening in like decentralized finance and decentralized platforms, you know, what is the true potential of humans and entrepreneurship in a decentralized world? Right. Right. It, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Very cool. Listen, um, I'm conscious of time and uh, we could be talking about some, we have some very interesting commonalities. So, um, but uh, listen, I just want to say thank you very much for being on the show today. Guys, if you are listening to the recording of this, or even if you listen to us on YouTube, whatever, if you want to connect with Julian, make sure you – what's the best way that, uh, that they can connect with you, Julian? Yeah, the two, two easiest ways, um, just go to Deschutes.co. Um, drop me a message on there. There's a, a contact page and a little chat thing there. Or if you're on Instagram, I'm pretty responsive on that, and that's just Deschutes. Nothing, nothing crazy, nothing uh, hard to find. So do it on there. I love, you know, having these conversations. Clearly, I'm a little bit passionate about it. So just looking to connect with like-minded people that just want to keep creating and building and, and love this conversation, Adam. Love connecting with you. Love all the commonalities that have come up and, and just look forward to continue to, to build and create together. Absolutely. Looking forward to it too. Listen, guys, uh, please feel free to reach out to Julian as well. Um, and I'm sure that if uh, if you want to take that scorecard, by the way, if you want to take that quiz, uh, uh, drop Julian a, a little message either on Instagram or on uh, the uh, the shoots uh, website. Just mention the show that you've listened to Julian on here, and I'm sure in due time you'll be able to be like, ah, okay, uh, you you listened to that, cool. So um, listen, buddy, just want to say thanks very much for being on the show, though, giving your uh, giving your uh, epiphanies and, and and your and your great content, man. Oh, Adam, I love what you're doing at the Game Changer Show. Love just all the guests that you have. So I'm super honored to be, you know, invited on and look forward to watching so much more of them. 
Appreciate it, man. Listen, guys, if you want to learn more, uh, make sure that you have subscribed to the you Game Changer show here on YouTube and make sure that you are click. Also, when you do subscribe, click on and activate that bell as always so that you'll get an activation. You won't miss out on those opportunities. So from me and Julian, we'll see you back here again on next Wednesday, 6 p.m. GMT, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. And have a fantastic day when you really leave there. Take care. See you soon. Love you guys. See ya. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.